When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 76 of the Rex Chapman Show with my super dope homeboy from the Lex Town, Josh Hopkins. And you can find us on Instagram now, Josh, at the Rex Chapman Show. Hey, uh, I guess the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins was taken. Yeah, it was taken. So we oh, just went okay. with a shorter one. Uh, oh, that fair's fair. I, I don't care anyway. It's not, it's not it's nothing that bothers me. <laughs> I'm on the show too, but it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> we got a great show, Josh. I'm in Phoenix. You're in Phoenix. I'm in oh, Phoenix. I, uh, what are you doing I, there? I came out to check out my daughters and the new look Phoenix Suns. Wow. Uh, what do you think about that? excited so you gotta be excited i mean so excited i'm leaving here actually in a few minutes i'm gonna go check out kd's press conference that's what i'm gonna do kd lang friend of the show you know not our kd the other kd the tall kd kd kevin durant oh with the new look phoenix suns and devin booker and chris paul and deandre ayton and terrence ross and tj warren how tough is that Tough squad, man. I'm 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 excited. You know, I don't want to get out over my skis too far, but I'm excited for the Phoenix Suns. Three of the best mid-range shooters in the history of the NBA all on one team. And not yeah. that they're not great outside shooters, but all-time hey. mid-rangers. It's uh, you know, and and watching uh watching the Nets play last night, Mikel Bridges, who was I hated that Phoenix had to give him up, such a great guy, Cam Johnson. Gave up some really good players. They're doing well in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, hopefully that trade will work out for everybody. It doesn't yeah, always it doesn't always do that. But uh, anyway, exciting stuff in the Valley of the Sun. Uh, yes, episode seventy six, Josh. Um, no any seventy sixes in sports at all. Um, I mean, I if I'm again, you know, trying to yeah. remember my locker number. Uh-huh. Of course, I just go with the Philadelphia 76ers. 76ers. I remember this was about the age I was five or six when I started to remember things. You know, uh-huh. when you get yeah. to that age. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember being at a parade with my dad in Lexington, and it was the Bicentennial Parade. Yeah. And it was 1970s Bicentennial, and there were special quarters. And to yep. me, I was like, you know, I was like, oh, man, Jesus must have been cool back then. <laughs> You know, two yeah. centuries. Right. It was inconceivable. But that I remember the uh 76 Montreal Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 76ers. I remember that. And I'd go like Kenny Anderson and um Dr. Dr. J. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh only one I could think of was uh one time, excuse me while I dropped my pen. Uh the Philadelphia 76ers had a really tall player and he wore the number 76. His name was Sean Bradley. 76ers, BYU wow. great, Sean Bradley. Why wouldn't anyone do role. that? Why wouldn't every time anyone went to yeah. the 76ers wear 76? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> um, 
book club, Josh, we like to talk about, uh, you know, books that we've um, read this past week. I was sent a book recently that I, I, uh, uh, by Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick Perkins has a new book. The Education of Kendrick Perkins was uh, was sent to me recently and um, haven't read it yet. I, I haven't read it and I didn't get around to reading anything this week, Josh, but did you? Well, funny you should say there's this article mm-hmm. in uh, Men's Health. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what it was on, but I was in the airport and I was mm-hmm. going by and it said an article about this. I didn't read it. I didn't oh. get the. I didn't get right. the. But you saw it. Magazine. But I saw. First of all, there I was like, one. look, there's still magazines. I was just surprised. Yeah. And yeah. then I saw that there was an article in it as I walked by, but I didn't read it. So that's been book club. All right. Um, I do want to give one shout out to our favorite okay. uh, book book club fan, uh-huh. uh, guy I went to tenth grade with, uh, Will Hunt, uh, um, in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Nice. Uh, uh, he's really wanting us to do uh, a segment about swimming. He was uh, mm. like high school all American swimmer, and I told him we wouldn't. So I think yeah. that's fair, right? Yeah, okay. it's completely fair. Good for you for right, shouting right. him out. Yeah, sure. sure. Uh, Josh, yesterday, uh, we've got a great uh, guest that I want to get to today. I think you're going to enjoy. But yesterday, we had a passing uh, that just has thrown me off. Raquel Welch passed away yesterday at the age of 82. And uh, I don't know why. It just threw me off. I probably because around the time when you start remembering things, like you said, around the age of four or five, I, I probably. I, I can't imagine this didn't happen. Probably Raquel Welch appearing on the TV and my dad going, holy shit. And looking at her, that's probably <laughs> what happened. And so uh, in my mind, she's been just the most beautiful woman forever. Also though, want to say 140 IQ. She studied theater. She grew up uh, studying ballet. She wasn't just some beautiful vixen uh who popped in our screens she was a real talented uh woman and uh i don't know i'm just mourning her loss today that's all man i I understand she was uh one of those yeah as a kid she was a sex symbol which i didn't understand was but you could tell that was something there was just no right verbiage for it in your head and she's just an all-time beauty and all time she she was uh did the first uh interracial uh, love scene. It's love scene in cinema. Yeah, with Jim Brown. With Jim Brown, football yeah. player Jim Brown. Yeah, the I mean, and they had uh, they they received a lot of backlash for that. Oh, can you imagine? And she had the wherewithal and the foresight and the balls to just be like, yep. "Look, I'm that's silly not to do." Yes, and did, she was also uh, a, so appreciated today because she. She refused to get rail thin. She was voluptuous and would say, I'd rather, her quote was like, um, I'd rather eat pasta than be a size zero. Yeah. And, you know, just way ahead of her time and so beautiful. And yeah, yeah it's uh, it's um, so smart. It's it is a it's quite a loss from and especially from our when we're forming our childhood thoughts. Yeah. Of what beauty is she she was the tops. No question. Uh, Josh, we have a terrific guest today of, of someone that most of our our listeners probably know or know of. Um, 
but they, they will know, know when they see him. They will. <laughs> They'll uh, definitely know him. I, I'm or not hear sure. Him. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, what he's done gave rise to. I don't know that it's uh, talked about enough. Uh, reality TV gave rise to, I think, reality TV as we know it today. Let's get to. Hold on, episode. I want to say yep. this real uh-huh. quickly because yep. usually we're 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 uh, first of all we're a, we're a pod that I'll put our all time shooters oh, yeah. up against any pod that's ever had. Like we've had the best shooters in the world on our show, right? And usually when we're on this pod, we're talking to someone that's that's been your teammate. Mm-hmm. Well, this guy is has been my teammate. He's been my teammate, is an all-time shooter I'll vouch for, and I'm sure we'll talk about. And I can also vouch, is one of the all-time greatest, nicest human beings. And I'm sure it will shine through because he is one of the greatest. Why don't you tell, you, tell us who's coming on, Rex? Let's get to... Blind date legend, TV actor, film and producer, host of the Sports Lodge on Angels Radio AM. We have Roger Allen Lodge. Welcome, Roger. Rex, great to be here. Thrilled to be with my guy, Josh. And before we get into anything, I need to make this official now for everyone watching our show today. Nobody. Nobody in the history of the NBA Entertainment League brought it more consistently each and every week than my guy, Josh Hopkins. Man, he can set a pick. Pick and roll with Josh Hopkins. Forget about it. That was a done deal. This guy, Raj Lodge right here, I got to tell you, he ain't just an actor and an entertainer and a host. He's a shooter. I mean, a real shooter. Now, now, Raj, we've had some real, we've had the greatest shooter in the history of the game. We've had Steph Curry on. We've had his dad on. We've had Steve Kerr on. We've had J.J. Redick on. You, my friend, don't shoot 500 a day. Granted, you can't come around the pick like that, but I mean, you can stand there right now throw it to you or grab it off the rack and shoot with anyone in the world standing still right now. You can do that. I I mean, so you are another great shooter. People wouldn't guess it just right off. They'd be like Roger Lodge. Now that's a handsome fella, but I don't know if he can shoot. And I'm telling everyone he is, he's a hand eye gifted cat. I bet you're a great golfer, Roger. Are you? I've got a nice short game. Can't hit to save my life off the tee, but I got a really nice short game because I think I have that touch that, you know, shooters have and guys in their short game have in golf. But, you know, from the, and here's the thing. And and I still, to this day, when I have time, I teach youngsters, like, you know, young kids, the basics of shooting, because I'll never forget as long as I live my, my real father. Okay. Not to get too deep here on this whole subject. My real father left home one day when I was about three years old and never came back. He, we were having breakfast. He got up, went to work, never came home again. Uh, about five years later, my stepfather, the great Bob Lodge, former power forward out of Washington State, came into my life and taught me the basics of the jumper. I'm right-handed, my right foot's forward. I lead with my elbow, the middle fingers, last finger, 
to leave the ball. The, the elbow never goes outside the perimeter of the ball. All the basics. So for the last 50 years, I've shot the ball the same exact way and repetition. And, you know, if you learn the basics and you want to go out and be a good shooter, it's all up to you. I mean, Reggie Miller told me he used to put up 1,500 shots a day in the summer. And, you know, and it's amazing that we watch these great shooters today, the steps. And, and by the way, let's not go to sleep on Clay Thompson, probably the right. best guy in basketball. He's unbelievable. Yeah. And depending on what night it is, we're talking about the two best shooters I've ever seen. Yeah. The, the, and Michael Thompson, his father told me that he never really taught him how to shoot. He learned all of that on his own. Wow. It's, you want to go out? Do you want to tackle it? Do you want to put in the work to be a great shooter? But, you know, my, my stepdad taught me that shot and it brought so much to my life. I mean, it brought self-esteem. It brought, you know, I, I got to go to Whittier College and play yeah. basketball and get an education there. So, man, it's it's just, I, I love shooting. I love talking about shooting. And to be on with you guys talking about it is a thrill for me. It really is. Man, Let me tell you something. So people don't know, Roger and I played on the same team in the NBA Entertainment League for years. Now, that league was so much fun. We got issued the real uniforms. I mean, yeah. and you played, I mean, uh, Brian McKnight was a really good player. Mark Blucas, who played with uh, Tim Duncan at Wake Forest, was one of the best players. There was a lot of really good players. There was a lot of dunking going on in the league. Yes. You wouldn't expect yeah. I mean, this was much better than than you would think. And Raj, but a lot of these guys didn't know they could run and jump, but did not know how to play. And Raj appreciated me because I'd be like, yeah, I'm setting a pick. I'm coming up here to set a pick. And some guy that could dunk it with his elbow would be like, what are you doing? Space out. I'm like, get away. I'm setting a pick. It's called a pick. Get away from Roger. And if you got Roger three feet, you could count it. He was oh, a ball to play with. You know, I, I don't know when I became aware, Roger, of you playing basketball, but it was probably on a show you did. You know, you just out there shooting. And and anybody that's watched basketball or especially played uh, can look at somebody and go, that guy spent some time on a basketball court. Yeah. You, you put out a video. Oh, it was it's been a year ago, maybe. And it was, uh, you know, you said you sent it to Josh and I and uh, on Twitter, you tagged us and said, all right, we're going to make I'm going to go 10 out of 10 here. And you went out to the three point line. You had somebody rebounding for you and you knocked down. I want to make I don't want to say 10 out of 10, but nine out of 10. And right. you're you're the thing that stands out is you have a one piece repeatable. You said it repetition one right. piece repeatable jump shot you jump the same height on every shot your stroke is the same on every shot and it's muscle memory at this point you said it you've been shooting that same jump shot for 50 years did you you alluded to it earlier your dad your real dad got up and left one day your your stepdad shows you a basketball how how much of uh your childhood was spent just out there on the court by yourself, sorting through life's issues with that basketball in your hand. 
so many countless hours out on the floor trying to get better, trying to make my high school team. Once I did that, I wanted to be an all-league player. Uh, I go to Cerritos High School out here in Southern California. When I was a freshman, Ben Howland, who went on to UCLA, Mississippi State, Ben was a senior when I was a freshman. Wow. He kind of took me under his wing and showed me the ways. And, and he was like my Yoda when I was a young high school. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, because everyone wants to shoot and everybody wants to score, but there's so much hard work that goes into it. And he was so great to me to point out the hard work you got to put into it, you know, and it's like anything else in life, guys, you get out of it, what you put into it. You yeah. know what I mean? The jump I shot. Think- no dunking, yeah. shoot you will. Yes. Yeah, but I I, I think about think about today. You were playing. Uh, this is in the seventies, eight seventies, uh, um, playing with no three point line. Think about right. how much different it would wow. be for you today. Oh my! Hey, I'll right? never I'll never forget my first college basketball game. We're on the road, little Woodier College. We're <laughs> on the road in Athens, Georgia playing the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? Dominique had 32 at halftime and they sat him down. But I'll never forget going up to the free throw line with four seconds left. I had a one and one for Woodier College, four seconds left to go in the game. And I step up to the line and they're going crazy at the Coliseum. And I knocked down that front end of the one and one to earn my second free throw. The second free throw, nothing but net. And that free throw brought my poets within 60. Your final score, first for 122, Woodier 62. Let's go. It was a bad beat, though. It was a bad beat. You guys just on that, you, 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 <laughs> you got the line, the Vegas line. A lot of people lost some money. Two things happened that night. Two things happened that night. Number one, our starting point guard, Dice Martin, whose son, Doug Martin, went on to become a star yeah. running back the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dice Martin twisted his ankle a couple of minutes. And there's no way I'm thinking I'm getting in the game that night. <laughs> so the coach says, Lodge, get in there. I'm like, what, me? Really? Okay. So I take off my sweats. And I forgot. I was so nervous about playing there. I had forgotten to put on my game shorts. I didn't have a shorts underneath my sweatpants, right? So the trainer says, here, take these. And he throws me a pair of like triple XL shorts. And I thought on the, guys, I think I started the baggy shorts that night in Georgia back in 1980 against the Bulldogs. And the other thing that happened that night is to be up close on the same floor as a talent like Dominique Wilkins that night, I decided, I made the decision, I'm not going any further than Woodier College. I better get into the broadcasting <laughs> thing. Then that's when I made the decision to get into broadcasting and try to be a host and an actor and all that. Some big Man. things that might happen. Absolutely. I can't imagine. I'm thinking, I played, I played in Athens once as a freshman. We played in the Omni my sophomore year, but I played in Athens once my freshman year. And it didn't matter how Georgia might not have always had the best teams, but you can bet they had one of the top athletic teams in the country. I was terrified going into there to play against 
with Kentucky Wildcat. I can't imagine <laughs> what you might have been <laughs> up against uh, at Whittier. But, Raj, describe to Josh and I, a couple kids who grew up in the 70s in Kentucky, you know, what, what it was like to, to grow up in Southern California in the 70s. It was absolutely one of my favorite times, one of my favorite decades ever. And now imagine this, and, and my aforementioned late great stepfather, uh, he worked in sporting goods. Now imagine this, I'm a kid growing up in SoCal in the 1970s, and I would get to hop in my father's station wagon, you know, the uh, one with the wood yeah. side, <laughs> and he would go visit the Lakers, the Chargers down in San Diego, the Dodgers, the Angels, uh, and one of his accounts was John Wooden, the head basketball coach. I mean, the greatest coach to ever live. I mean, come on, we're talking 10 out of 12 titles, seven in a wow. row. Wow. But Coach Wooden, Coach Wooden would call our house. He'd call our little house in Lakewood, California, and he was always on time. So I knew that phone call was coming. So I was able to go in the back bedroom and unscrew the old rotary phone, you know, the part you talk through so I wouldn't make it. <laughs> and I got the list. Wow. Take his order for the season from Coach Wooden. And then they developed a friendship. And it got to the point where I would jump in the car with my dad and go to UCLA practices. Wow. And I Sidney Wicks and Curtis Rowe and Henry Bibby. And I'll never forget the first time the first time I made that trip, the anticipation of going up the Poly Pavilion and watching a UCLA practice. And guys, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to get up close and personal to the formula. What's the formula for John Wooden's success? We get there and it was three of the most boring hours of basketball. Nothing but chest passes. passes. <laughs> In other words, the basic fundamentals yeah. were everything that John would right. I don't care what anybody says. I'll take this to my grave. Nobody dominated the details better mm. than John Wooden, the greatest coach sure. that ever. Yeah. Sure. Did you ever think about coaching, Raj? When I was a, uh, coming out, uh, when I finished up at Whittier College, I did some high school coaching in Southern California. Uh, I was a coach at Santa Fe High School. Yeah, went, my first team went one in twenty three, <laughs> <laughs> but don't be fooled by that record, guys. We were a lot worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're a sports guy growing up, though, Rod. Uh, is it true that a guy by the name of John Stamos convinced you to make the decision to pursue acting? Okay, John Stamos and I grew up in the same neighborhood here in Southern California. But was everybody was everyone in the neighborhood just drop dead gorgeous? What, yeah. what is good? Huh? Huh? Have you, you, two, you? have you two ever been seen in the same room? Yeah, though? come on. I mean, what's the dimples, on the hair? Look, I mean, Let, can I just tell you? Let me tell you something about my guy, John Stamos. Not only the best looking guy to ever walk the face of the earth but one of the nicest, kindest people you'll ever want to meet. I have nothing but amazing things to say about my best friend in the whole world, John Stamos, who we grew up in the same neighborhood. And then when he was wrapping up General Hospital and I was thinking about 
you know, trying to get in the business. What do I do? How do I do it? He kind of took me in under his wing. Then we moved up to L.A. together from Orange County up to L.A. And we were roommates for 13 years. Wow. So I was Stamos and Cato Kalen, basically. (laughs) And and while he's doing full house, I'm living. And but here's the thing. I would go on the set. He, you know, he would help me out to get little parts and stuff. But I was always around the set. I was always able to watch and learn. Just shut up and look. He was working with Jack Klugman on his show show called You Again on NBC, right? So I was Johnny's stand-in on that show. Oh, my God. Whenever he had to go do publicity or go do awards, I'm on the stage with Jack Klugman you know, running lines. I mean, that's, that's great. Go to any acting class, but that stuff like that is pretty amazing. The fact that I was able to do that and learn with, from with Quincy, Quincy. Yes. I, just, I, I was just watching old, old reruns of, uh, of the odd couple the other day. Just, it's amazing to have those experiences. Yeah. I mean, my God, well, what, while he was working on full house, you're helping him prepare to, how to be a baseball player, right? <laughs> let me go, hey, let me go back to Jack Klugman really quick because I talked earlier about Coach Wooden dominating yeah. the defense. This is Jack Klugman. He is from the Odd Couple fame, from Quincy, Emmy Awards, you yep. know. So, and at that point in our lives, Stamos and I were in the business to try to meet girls. Let's call it what it was. <laughs> so we would go to lunch, and I'll never forget this one day. We went to lunch, and we came back after lunch and we're walking through the stage and it's completely dark, but over on one of the living room uh, setups, we heard some noise over there. So we're like, what's going on? Who's over there? So we went to check it out and it's lunchtime. There's nobody else around. And on the set was Jack Klugman all by himself working on a comedy bit where he had some physical comedy, but he wow. wanted, wanted to get it just right. I mean, the guy, again, dominated the details. I mean, that's what leads to success. And Klugman was one of those guys. Man, I learned a lot from that guy. I, I just can't. I, I'm trying to. You, you did. You hosted Blind Date for so long, yeah. like seven, eight years, maybe uh, 1800. 1800 episodes right i i'm trying to i mean and josh we probably saw every one of them that was just what people of our generation did yeah we we, we, that's what we watched i can't imagine i guess i know the answer a little bit what being around jack klugman being around john wooden you know being around your your stepdad how did sports and repetition and attention to detail and basketball, how did that prepare you to be so consistent with what you ended up doing and turning into your life's work? God, that's such a great question because, and I love talking about this because I get up now. I do. I, I host Afternoon Drive here in SoCal mm-hmm. on Angel Radio, AM 830, the home of the Angels. Uh, and during the season, I stay on and I host the pregame show as well. But, you know, the show starts at 3 I'm up at 6 a.m. getting ready for the four hours of radio, going through every segment, booking guests, writing questions. One of the things that I love to do more than anything and and being on with you guys today is such a treat because (laughs) 
actually the guy doing the research and yeah. <laughs> and I there's nothing better there's nothing better to me than at the end of an interview and sometimes you guys know you know you pre-tape the interviews when when we get done with something and a guest says to me man you really put in the research you really yeah. the work for this interview because you guys know more than anybody your guest appreciates that yeah. the fact put in the time into their career to ask the right questions so the the disciplines that i learned as an athlete i use every single day in business each and every day without well, well that's interesting because we are not pros you are a <laughs> yeah. you know a decades long pro we're learning as you're speaking uh any any other advice you give to a couple of novices like when rex approached me about doing this I was like, Rex, the problem with this is we're both we're both color men. You know, we, yeah. we need a play by play guy because we're both used to getting yeah. asked questions and not answering. But uh, thankfully, he wouldn't let me say no, because I've gotten to talk to so many unbelievable people. So what's some other uh, just tips you can give us? Because we you might not be that great. <laughs> Here's the number one tip that I've gotten from so many people over the years. Is, and I got it from, I'll go back to my stepfather. Uh, I was kicking around LA and Josh, you know what it's like out here. Uh, when I first started, I went on and I have my, my, uh, my daily planner book from back in the day. I went on 315 auditions. That's three wow. And I didn't even get a call back. I mean, wow. I was 315, but I kept doing it. I kept doing it. I kept trying to do it. One day I'm sitting in my backyard with my stepfather and he asked me how things are going. And I'm not feeling too good that day because I just lost out on another show. And he says to me, Roger, and he used to get this look. When he, when he got that look, I knew he was about to get serious and he was about to offer up some, some type of wisdom. And he said to me, when you go on these auditions, have you ever thought about just being yourself? Just go in and be you. There's nobody else like you. You're amazing. Go be yourself. And I looked at him like, oh, my God, I've mm. never thought of that. And the simplicity of that yeah. advice the brilliance of that advice and the thing that I love about each and every show that you guys do together, you have a chemistry that you can't teach. You can oh. try up with it, but it's just there from your years of friendship. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful thing to watch two lifelong friends do a show together. Just be yourself each and every week. You guys are more than fine. And that's why I watch every episode of your show and love it so much. It's Duh. really Really kind. Nice. It is. You you said something earlier though that that made me, and I am we are Josh and I are relatively new to all of this. I've been interviewed, you know, since I was 15 years old, and that became pretty easy after a couple of years. Um, but I'd never asked questions before. I started doing this. Well, you know, I went up and did the thing for CNN where I was doing interviews and interviewing, you know, Jason Sudeikis and Ben Stiller and. Joseph, George, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, people like this. And I got so much joy from, I'd never liked to study for anything in my life. I got so much joy studying and preparing 
to sit with these folks. And I got so much joy from sitting in there and at, you know, once or twice each, each, uh, interview them going, wow. Uh, or maybe tearing up or, wow, I wasn't expecting that question. And it made, it immediately made me internalize it and think about being interviewed. Every time you sit down for an interview, you know, you, you just want that person that is sitting across from you to have prepared a little and to take, you're giving up some time to talk to them. You know, let's make this interesting and let's make it good. And I think you, you show the ultimate sign of respect when you've, when you've done your homework without right. question i right. have a, my son peyton is studying uh broadcast journalism at emerson college in boston shout out to the lions great and that's, i try to tell him so much that you know like every day i get a, a you know an email or a text message or from someone up and coming in the business looking for advice and my my number one common thread when it comes to advice for any up-and-coming broadcaster or host, is there's just no substitution for hard work. You know, yeah. there isn't to put in the time, to put in the research is is just absolutely gigantic. It really is. I, I remember doing press junkets for 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 Cougar Town. And you know, you just they just come in room, they just come in your room over and over, just new, new people, new people. And they right. like. Hey, I just got to let you know before we roll. I'm a huge fan of Cougar Town. I love your character. I love this. I'm I'm really thrilled for this. And they, and so people that don't know, Cougar Town was originally conceived with Courtney Cox as a cougar, and I was the neighbor, and I had all these girls, young girls, and she was there. And they abandoned that by the end of the first year. Our characters got married, and it became a show just about people getting drunk and making fun of each other. <laughs> <laughs> and then these people would come in. I just love the show. I just love it so much. And they'd say, okay, action. I just got to ask you, what's it like having all those cougars around? Oh, my gosh. And I was just like, oh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty. You're a big fan, I can tell. Yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah, fun. Just- so so you, I appreciate it when they were like, oh, I love it that your character is a Gemini. And you'd be like, whoa, okay, yeah. yeah. I, right. Yeah. What a concept. He put in a little bit of research (laughs) about the interview. And by the way, Josh, you know, you and I have a lot in common. Cougar Town and Blind Date. I mean, people getting drunk and ended up in a hot tub. That was every episode. (laughs) I I got that, brother. (laughs) You know what, though? I I don't know why I just thought of this, but your stepdad, I just wish I could have met him. Uh, You know, he, he tells you to go be yourself. It's the same. It's the same damn uh advice you would give any player going out on the floor. I'm not going to tell you, Roger, I'm going to tell you to go to the basket and lay it off the glass. I'm not going to tell you to go in there and dunk it. Go be yourself. Go be the best Roger Lodge you can be. Anyway, I want to ask another thing about Blind Date because I just, I loved it so much. How long did it take for Blind Date to go from a show genuinely trying to help people find love to just becoming about people looking for 15 minutes of fame you know it was about the first the the first season or so it was i i gotta tell you i was just really searching and hoping to you know and our staff was what they were looking to you know find real love for these people yeah but then there's this funny thing in television called the race (laughs) (laughs) And when we came back from a date and 
you know, I was standing there after watching the video and I'd have to comment about it. And when I said, oh, isn't that nice? Johnny and Lisa really hit it off and they're going to have a nice second day. Nobody watched that. Nobody wanted to see that. And I'm almost embarrassed to say that we kind of bought into the Jerry Springer mentality. And that's where the dates from hell came from. Dates from hell week. Right. And uh, you know what? Every focus group we did, people wanted to see more of the host, me yep. making people. And they wanted to see hot people on blind dates. That's what yeah. they wanted to see. So we gave the people what they wanted. That's what I wanted. I, I you know, it's, it's it's nice to throw it off with people that get along every once in a while. But I want to see we want to see that we watch The Bachelor to see the crazy one. Yes. Yes. Not to see that like every everyone's just so well adjusted, yeah. you know. But I, I, how many times did the Lisa's uh, I mean, you're you're beautiful, man, Raj. You're a beautiful, <laughs> man. How many you're dreamy. How many times did the leases hit on Roger? That had to happen quite a few times. But that was the beauty of Blind Date. We would shoot the dates. I would go in a studio. How about this? My part, I, I, I wrote what I said during the week. I watched all the dates during the week. And then on Saturday, we would go into a studio and I would shoot the equivalent of 14 shows in one Saturday. Wow. I was watching the video. And by the way, when I was standing there on blind date, looking at the wall and the video was up there, I'm looking at a green screen. <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't watching the dates, but I had watched the dates all week long in my home office. I never came across any of those beautiful women on blind date. There was no need. There was no reason. Wow. So everyone always says, oh, man, you must have hooked up with so many hot gals. I never saw them. And wow. My beautiful bride, Pamela, and I have been together since we went to a Bonnie Raitt concert back in uh, the late 90s. So there was no need. I'm good in that category. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Uh, uh, what, that's why people don't understand why they have like these movie stars that host primetime game shows and stuff. They're like, why would they do that? It's because they get a bunch of money per episode and they do they do the entire season in two three different days as it got, like they make it's a, not a lot of work and a whole lot of money and roger lodge was the first one making bank doing it roger we, we had a, have, go ahead you know, fabulous time doing that show but but it's so funny because and, and rex i bet if we were talking about your NBA career right now, it wouldn't be about, okay, that crazy shot you made for the yeah. sun. <laughs> what, you know, what game or the night you dropped 40 on somebody. I bet it was more about the relationships. I bet it was more about the people you met along your path. When I think back a blind day, I'm, you really think I'm, I'm, I have any memory of cinnamon running naked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the thing I'll never forget a blind day. Uh, about Blind Date was me on the set with the crew playing sports trivia and holding up. <laughs> right. Answer. It was all about the relationships of the people who all had one goal in mind, and that was to make the best show possible. So that's what I'll always remember about it. You, you, Roger, you're obviously at this point, uh, you're just you're polished in front of the camera, your camera, you're polished behind the mic. I don't know that people. Uh, most folks really understand Josh 
alluded to it earlier. Like I'm a color guy. Josh is a color guy to be a play by play guy or to be a guy who can sit behind a microphone for four hours a day and talk and not say, uh, um, I mean, uh, and like, and I mean, you know, not stumble and stutter to have, uh, I, I call it just to be an articulate thinker <laughs> and to have it come out, um, that way is a lot of people in, in media and in TV would love to have that and don't, I would love to have that quality. Did you, when, yeah, when you started out, did it come naturally to you somewhat? Did it, was it something you really had to hone? Uh, because it's just not natural sitting and looking and talking to nothing and speaking to no one. I'll tell you, when I was a kid, it kind of started for me, guys. When I was a kid, my parents would go out to dinner on a Friday or a Saturday night. And when my dad came home on his pillow, I had written out a sports report from the evening in sports. I mean, I'm a seven or eight year old kid and he had a report on his pillow. I clearly wanted to do something in sports. And then coming up like as a, as a, as a high school player and at Whittier college, I had like when I played one year of baseball at Whittier college, I had my own make-believe talk show down in the bullpen. I was a pitcher, so I'm using a baseball bat as a microphone. I always wanted to be the Johnny Carson. Right. And, and even before I got my first job, which was working at E! Entertainment, filling in for Greg Kinnear on Talk Soup. Wow. You know, hundreds of times I had gone out on Hollywood Boulevard with a microphone interviewing fans coming up with some kind of videotape that I could send to agents to try to get representation. Uh, so I was always working on it. So wow. when I camera for the first time for E entertainment, filling in for Canary on talk soup, I had been, you know, in front of a camera making vi silly videos thousands of times. So it just kind of, I kind of hit the ground running. Yeah. It, it awesome. is one of the most overlooked and taken for granted skills in all of entertainment, just because we're so even as a little kid, always seen as the newscasters just talking and they're usually just flawless. And if they're not, it's really entertaining. But that never happens. <laughs> and you see these people like you that it, it's so underrated, like um, yeah. when you go again, when you go like on a press tour, like they send you know, Courtney Cox to the Today Show, they send ding dong like me to Tampa and Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and all the local stations. But he, he, you see it there and they're like, and luckily no one was harmed in the spill and we'll be right back after this. Hey, man, so I like that show and we're back in three, two, one, because I think it's good. Now we're back in a second and, blah, 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 and you're like, I can't believe the skill it takes. It freaks me yeah. out. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm going to turn the table on you guys. I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question, okay? I want to interview you for a minute, if I may. But let me start. Before I ask you your question, uh, let me set that up. So we all have that person in our life. Josh, I'm sure you have it. I don't know if it was Larry or Carolyn or your parents or, or Coach or Rex. I don't know if it was one of your coaches. But I want to ask you this in just a second. Okay, so 
Greg Kinnear was going to go away and do his first movie called Sabrina, a movie he did with Harrison Ford. And they were talking about on the air, they were looking for someone to fill in for Greg while he was away. I had been a big fan of Talk Soup, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, they should bring me in. I should host Talk Soup when Greg's away, right? So I started calling the casting director. And I didn't call the main casting director, Dan Gibson, at the time. I was calling his assistant, a wonderful lady by the name of Amy Walpert. And I called her every single day for like three weeks, leaving messages, literally begging her to bring me in to audition me for Talk Soup. She never answered the phone. She never returned my call. It's late on a Friday night, and I had just gotten done watching Greg host Talk Soup so eloquently. He was so great hosting that show. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to call one more time and leave a great message. She's going to call me back this time. She happened to answer the phone late. And I said, Miss Walpert, it's Roger Lodge. And she cut me right off. And she said, I know who you are. You've been calling three weeks in a row. So I, I made a deal with her. She made a deal with me. She said, listen, I'll bring you in for an audition Monday if you can be here. But you got to promise to stop calling me after that. <laughs> okay, okay. She brought me in. I auditioned on a Monday morning. The next day, Tuesday, I was on the air hosting talk soup. Wow. So, is my all-time career assist. So, Josh, let me start with you. Give me that career assist. You'll never forget it. Who helped you the most? Who helped me? Uh, uh, like, that's your, you were your own career assist on that, your your stick to it That's like, what, what you, like, you didn't, no one gave you that break. You went and got that break. He, he made it happen. He forced the yeah. issue. He forced and the I, issue, but still, he got him. She had to answer, man. Yeah, but he made it. Like, I will tell you this about Rex and I both. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been like, look, I deserve this. I should call, not call back. I've been like, okay. Well, I guess they don't want me. Mm, I, 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 <laughs> I tried. I called. I called once. And, and to be that bulldog like you are, if I had a lot more of that in me, I'd probably a lot a lot more successful, but it comes from, you have to have that uh, belief in yourself and whatnot. And there is a lot of uh, self-hate and doubt in both, both Rex and I. I think that's why we get along. I'll tell you mine, I, I, I think. And uh, I hadn't really thought about that. That's a great question, Raj. Um, there are probably several, um, but one that stands out uh, that might you might not think of right away, I had been playing in the NBA for a while. And I'd been playing on bad teams and never been to the playoffs. And I got traded to Miami and I'm playing for a coach there. There's a first year coach in Miami. He's come from New York where he's got a huge reputation. Pat Riley's come from LA showtime and he's, he's gone to New York and he's a guy that you have to play hard. You have to play defense. You have to be, uh, you gotta be tough to play for Pat. And Again, I'd bounced around on a couple of bad teams already, and I went to Miami, and I was determined to be in the best shape I could be in, 
And if I was going to play, if I wasn't going to play for Pat, it was going to be because I put my best foot forward. And I went there and I earned Pat's trust. And he played me 30 some minutes a night. And that confidence, I think, that gave me confidence to say, hey, look, yeah, I played on bad teams, but I'm an NBA player. I can play in this league. I'm a serviceable player and I could be a good teammate on a good team. Pat Riley did that for me, and he did it with very few words. It was, you know, you showed up. If you did your job, Pat didn't say much to you. And Pat played in, at Kentucky with my dad, so I've got history with him. But I'm just uh, – that's uh, – I think that kind of helped propel me through the second half of my career. So thanks, Rog. How about this, fellas? Uh, Rex, let me start with you. When you're playing in the NBA, whose approval – did you seek the most teammates, my teammates? I, I, you know, I came in and I was so young um, and I, I, I had less reps than everybody. I was almost two years younger than the next yeah. youngest player. And so the, but what was great about it was almost every teammate I had and every opponent put their arms around me. I have no idea why guys I didn't know from, Isaiah Thomas to, you know, Mitch Richmond, who was in my class, guys were very helpful for me. Um, but it, mainly, I, I think in, in sports anyway, in team sports, you've got to endear yourself to your teammates and coaches. And as you progress further in pro sports and you learn a little bit, bit more, you better endear yourself to the support staff and the trainers mm. and the managers and the PR yeah. people and the front office people. And you just don't know those things as a young person, but yeah, that's it. That's it. Hey, uh, Raj, are the Lakers worth watching now that LeBron has <laughs> broken the record what's going on? Okay. Here's the thing with the Lakers. You're going to think I'm crazy. All right. But if LeBron can come back and that foot is okay. And you know, I mean, those foot yep. injuries, such a pain in the rear end. But if LeBron is healthy, if AD is healthy, if you know, D'Angelo Russell from the perimeter obviously is an upgrade from Russell Westbrook from the perimeter, and a few of the other guys they brought in, who in the West right now, I know Denver's really good, and I know Jamal Murray is playing like Jamal Murray again. Denver's good, Memphis plays hard, and they have really good wing guys and an athletic 3 and D guys. Those are two really good teams. But if I got to win four out of seven against the Lakers, that's no easy get because let's face it, the networks, the league, they need LeBron in the finals. He's going to get a lot of calls come playoff time. As crazy as this sounds, guys, don't go to sleep on the Lakers. And I love watching them play. <laughs> Their second half run is going to be worth watching and very, very interesting. You're such a, a basketball. Answer. You're such a basketball guy. I watched them play last night and stood out right away. D'Lo's playmaking ability and shot making ability. Yeah. If AD can stay healthy, that's a big if. That's a big right. if. Um, but Mobamba gave serviceable minutes last night, and Malik Beasley. Yeah, Malik Beasley. Making jump shots, open yeah. jump shots. It changes LeBron's world. 
that just it, it really does. Austin Reeves, fun, fun, fun player to watch. I hope they never right. trade him. Uh, anyway, and, we and, you, and you, you Nick, now we have two players. Vanderbilt from Kentucky started. Yeah, yeah. And he Vanderbilt. is. He's not just a throwaway. He's un, he's got a unique skill set. He's he, got. He, you can put him rebounder. on the floor, and he can. If you put him on the floor for twenty minutes, he's going to get 12, 13, 14 rebounds. It's yeah. the most yeah. amazing thing you've ever seen. Don't expect you know much offense, but he plays hard. He tries to play the right way. He defends. He, he's a good player. He's a and good player. It, it, it's, it's, Plays oh, hard. it's good because with LeBron, you need shooters, of course. And then you need guys that don't need the ball, don't even – that do something special. They don't have the ball. They don't dribble the ball. They just go do something like that. So I think he's a, a sleep-on acquisition, too. And his motor. His, his motor helps AD. AD doesn't have a great motor. And and the more energy you can put around him, the better the team is. Raj, what's your favorite movie? Well, if you walk into our home, uh, I have a I have a big movie poster from On the Waterfront in Italian from way back in the day. Wow. Those movies where when Marlon Brando comes on the screen, I mean, you just you 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 can't wait until he comes on the screen. I mean, that charisma to none i think on the waterfront i think the my movie where i'm you know watching television late night and i'm flipping and i come across it i'm gonna watch i'm gonna watch it till it ends and that no doubt is shawshank one of the greatest yeah. films ever made so that, yep. and of course i'm a big caddyshack guy as well don't go to sleep on the cinematic classic known as caddyshack Absolutely. Uh, a lot of people uh will tell us um shawshank. shawshank so a tradition is i always always do this i always say Good in my impression. I remember the first time I saw Andy Dufresne. Oh <laughs> my God. Thank you. Oh my Thank God. you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Raj. We got this one too. Uh, front row center, you, anyone dead or alive, sports, speech, uh, entertainer that you could just see, front row center, dead or alive, who would it be? Wow, that is the best question ever. Uh, I, you know what? I think I've done it. I think I've done it. Let me take you back. Wow. To the, I'm going to take you back to the late '80s. Stamos has just left General Hospital, and his character Blackie Parrish went off into the sunset. He went to jail. That was his last show. Blackie went to jail. 80s NBA Finals, Stamos is doing a series called Dreams for CBS. So we have the floor seats for the NBA Finals, Lakers-Celtics. Wow. Front row, layup line for the Celtics. McHale makes the layup. He runs in front of us. He calls Larry Bird over. And he says, take a look at this. Larry freaking legend looks at Stamos and says, hey, shouldn't you be in jail? I mean, come on. Amazing. <laughs> and the only, the only thing I can think of better than that, I don't know how much you guys are into wrestling, but again, I, take, I, I bring up the Stamos connection. Uh, he's got front row to a WrestleMania show. 
at the old LA sports arena out here in Los Angeles. I the hear you, brother. The, the honky tonk <laughs> man, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time has just, the honky tonk man has just cheated to win his big match and, and, and hold on to that intercontinental championship. So he's getting booed by 20,000 people at the old LA sports arena and Jimmy Hart, his manager, is covering him up, and they're running. They're about to run up the aisle, and they're getting booed unmercifully. People are throwing popcorn and beer and peanuts at these guys, and they run right by Stamos and I. Jimmy Hart, through the 20,000 booze, sticks his head in between us and says to Stamos, Hey, brother, I just want to tell you. My kids and I watch you every night on Full House. We love you. And <laughs> he runs up the aisle. <laughs> the best. The best. These are great. These are great. Real quickly, though, Rod, you've done that. Yeah. You, these are stories you've done. This is something you don't have to, something you haven't done. Yeah. Who would you have loved to have seen or see right now that you haven't? Because those are great stories. Those that might great. not be topped with what you come up with. I know. I, like I know. Love to have been in the building the night my basketball hero Pistol Pete dropped 68 on the Knicks at the old Superdome, and to the point where uh, you know this guy everything was was going in. He was just so incredible. Could you imagine Pistol Pete nowadays with social media highlight shows? This guy was magic before magic. He's the most uh, influential player in my life, just watching him play. But I, I think I would have loved to have been there the night Pistol Pete dropped 68 on the Knicks. And I think Earl the Pearl said to Walt Frazier, you know, Frazier was like, are you going to put up a put up a hand on this guy? And then the, the, the response was, oh, you get out here and guard him. <laughs> <laughs> Two quick, since you're such a Pistol Pete guy, two quick uh, anecdotes. One, I was a freshman at Kentucky, a sophomore at Kentucky, and he had just uh, Pistol Pete had just retired from playing and was working for Jefferson Pilot doing ACC, SEC games. And uh, he came to Starkville, Mississippi to interview me. And so I sat there with Pistol Pete for an hour. Um, him, I was just in awe, just in awe. Don't remember a thing about it. And a year later, I drafted in Charlotte and it was early, early. And, uh, I, I turn on the news and he's died of a heart attack playing ball mm. uh, less than a year later. I want to let you know that it was an unbelievable experience sitting across with him. The other thing, Kevin McHale told me the greatest story about Pistol Pete once. He said they had flown in from Boston to New York and were playing, going to play the Knicks. They'd gotten into the hotel and were driving or gotten to the airport. We're on the team bus headed to the hotel. And they're passing by Rucker Park. And on the on the bus, it's Pistol Pete, Kevin McHale, Larry Bird. Um, there's, uh, oh, the little guy, uh, Nate Archibald. Nate's on the team. Almost says nothing. He, he doesn't talk much. He's sitting in the back of the bus, New York guy. And said, Pistol Pete looks out the window and notices Rucker Park and says, oh, Rucker Park. And uh, everybody kind of goes, yeah. He said, I got 77 there one day. And and everybody looks around like, what? And they look back at Tiny and Tiny sitting back there and said, he did. I was there. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
that his, da- his dad that. drove his dad drove him up to New York in the summer to play against the best players he could find, and yeah, that's, that's where crazy. they went, and that's what happened. He said, uh, "Tiny said people were hanging." Uh, up in the trees trying to get a look at this kid that was down on the down at Rucker Park just tearing it up. Anyway, well, I yeah. love Roger Lodge. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for uh stopping by. We got to do this again. You're you're just absolute gold. Thank you, buddy. Guys, you both are awesome. I can't tell you what a thrill this was for me being such a fan of the show and then I get to come on and be part of it. God bless you and thank you so much for having me. I really tr- I loved it. Thank you. Raj, yeah, I, I miss you, man. And it, yeah, I treasured playing with you on those those teams. That was so much fun to play with a guy who knew how to play. Yeah, that was fun. And, and my favorite E League story was uh, remember Coolio. God bless him, the great, late great Coolio. Coolio would talk so much trash throughout the game. Uh, I dropped 37 on Coolio one night and I got about a minute left. We're up by 30. The game's decided, but he's still talking trash as my last three goes through the net. I ended up with 40 against Coolio, who, by the way, was five, five. But with those things in his head, he was like six, five. But uh, Coolio was the biggest trash talker in the history of the E-League. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Roger. Come back. Do it again. Thanks. Roger Lodge. Roger Lodge. How great was he? Oh, money, man. He's money. I mean, there's a guy, truly, you can tell, like we, he's a pro's pro. But yeah. how about when he said, well, like, Josh, it could have been Larry or Carolyn for you. Like, he knew my I, parents. I, he I know. Stu- he studied for this. Where we're just going to ask him questions, but he's such a pro. The reason he's been around for so long and is so successful was exactly on exhibit right there. Yeah. Uh, maybe be Larry or Carolyn. I was like, yeah, I don't know his parents' names. Yeah, I mean that was yeah. amazing. Yeah, have you ever looked up the parents of anybody? The parents' names of anybody we're ever going to interview? No, 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 because no. we're not professionals. Not like him. <laughs> taught us not a like lesson. Him. God, he's great. Yeah, we, we definitely have to have Roger back on, man. He's so oh, yeah. much fun. Energy. Does he ever have a bad day? I, we didn't get around to asking that. He just seems like he wakes up and he's Roger Lodge and he's John Stamos' <laughs> best friend and he does amazing things. <laughs> yeah, he is. Man, he, he, yeah, he could. He's so good. At- Imagine those two, though. Imagine those two lurking around L.A. in their 20s and 30s. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I, I, I kind of uh, I wanted to ask him about this next time I'll ask him because, you know, Roger Lodge is a good looking cat, you know, and I'm sure he did really well. But yeah. when your best friend is yeah. the best looking guy on the planet, you're always no matter you're you're the other one. Yeah. No matter the girls you meet, you're, not you're second, the other you're one. Last. Yeah. 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 I mean, when you go out, he'd go out alone and people be like, who's that? Now they're like, mm, don't even see him. I had that experience with Jimmy Marston, James Marston being one of my best friends. It's like, hello. I, yeah. I, I'm right here. And I have it with James. Beautiful. But, but I'm the pretty one. I do. I, I feel bad for him because when he, James and I go out, I'm James Marsman. I'm the one that gets hit on so much. It, it's I, weird. So you're third out of us. I guess it's a lot of perception. So yeah, mm, sure. Mm. You taught me a lesson. <laughs> Thank you. No, right, he was buddy. great, man. Love that, was that so guy. so much fun. All right. You want to do it again next week? 
I would. I would, Rex. All right. Let's do that again next week for the Rex Chapman Show with my super dope homeboy from the Lextown, Josh Hopkins. Let's do it again. Same time, same place. Powered by basketballnews.com.